Part 1. Flames on the River There was fire in the night. Fire that seared the sky and paled the stars. Fire that churned thick smoke across the land between the rivers. Finnan woke me. Trouble, was all he said. Edith stirred and I pushed her away from me. Stay there, I told her, and rolled out from under the fleeces. I fumbled for a bearskin cloak and pulled it around my shoulders before following Finnan into the street. There was no moon, just the flames reflecting from the great pall of smoke that drifted inland on the night wind. We need more men on the walls, I said. Done it, Finnan said. So all that was left for me to do was curse. I cursed. It's Brunnenburg. Finnan said bleakly, and I cursed again. Folk were gathering in Chester's main street. Edith had come from the house, wrapped in a great cloak and with her red hair shining in the light of the lanterns that burned at the church door. What is it? she asked sleepily. Brunnenbur, Finnan said grimly. Edith made the sign of the cross. I had a glimpse of her naked body as her hand slipped from beneath the cloak to touch her forehead. Then she clutched the heavy woolen cloth tight to her belly again. Loki. I spoke the name aloud. He is the god of fire, whatever the Christians might tell you. And Loki is the most slippery of all the gods, a trickster who deceives, charms, betrays and hurts us. Fire is his two-edged weapon that can warm us, cook for us, scorch us, or kill us. I touched Thor's hammer that hung from my neck. Ethel stands there, I said. If he lives, Finnan said. There was nothing to be done in the darkness. The journey to Brunnenburg took at least two hours on horseback and would take longer in this dark night, when we would be stumbling through woods and possibly riding into an ambush set by the men who had fired the distant burr. All I could do was watch from Chester's walls in case an attack burst from the dawn. I did not fear such an attack. Chester had been built by the Romans and it was as tough a fortress as any in Britain. The Northmen would need to cross a flooded ditch and put ladders against the high stone walls and Northmen have ever been reluctant to attack fortresses. But Brunnenburg was aflame, so who knew what unlikely things the dawn might bring? Brunnenburg was our newest burr, built by Ethelfled, who ruled over Mercia, and it guarded the river Mercy, which offered the Northmen's boats an easy route into central Britain. In years past, the Mercy had been busy, the oars dipping and pulling, and the dragon-headed boats surging against the river's current to bring new warriors to the unending struggle between the Northmen and the Saxons, but Brunnenburg had stopped that traffic. We kept a fleet of twelve ships there, their crews protected by Brunnenburg's thick timber walls, and the Northmen had learned to fear those ships. Now, if they landed on Britain's west coast, they went to Wales or else to Cumberland, which was the fierce, wild country north of the Mercy. Except tonight. Tonight, 
there were flames by the mercy. Get dressed, I told Edith. There would be no more sleep this night. She touched the emerald-encrusted cross at her neck. Ethelston, she said softly as if she prayed for him while fingering the cross. She had become fond of Ethelston. He either lives or is dead, I said curtly, and we won't know till the dawn. We rode just before the dawn, rode north in the wolf-light, following the paved road through the shadowed cemetery of Roman dead. I took sixty men, all mounted on fast, light horses, so that if we ran into an army of howling northmen we could flee. I sent scouts ahead, but we were in a hurry, so there was no time for our normal precaution, which was to wait for the scouts' reports before we rode on. Our warning this time would be the death of the scouts. 